0: The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour, So may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. If you know me, you know that I love scary stories. Pretty much all of the scary stories. I like stories about monsters and stories about murderers and stories about apocalypses and all of those things. I enjoy scary stories. Now, for part of my life, I believed that listening to or reading or enjoying scary stories meant that there was that there was a, a fascination in me that I shouldn't have. But here's the truth, here's the the, the real reason that scary stories are useful for us. Because they create space in our lives, and in our hearts, and in our communities for us to come face to face with the things that make us afraid. Because at the root of all of those fears is the reality that the world around us is broken. We say that every single week when we worship together, that the world goes not well. But so often when we think about the world around us going not well, it's hard for us to concretely name the things that are wrong with the world around us. And what scary stories do, whether it's movies or, or short stories or books or music, whatever it is, they allow us to put a face on top of the things that are not well all around us. They allow us to look at the world and to look at the flesh and to look at the devil and say that there are systems in the world around us that are broken and and they hurt people. And there are uh, brokenness in my heart and in your heart and those hurt the people around us. And there is spiritual evil in the world that's around us. And all of those are ways that we encounter that brokenness and scary stories allow us to name those things and then allow us to begin to imagine what it would look like for us to overcome those things. What would it look like for us to move beyond the things that hold us down? So that is my impassioned case for the benefit of scary stories. But you may hear that and say, no, I'm still not into that. And that's totally fine. That's absolutely okay. So if you're still not into scary stories, then I would suggest that you go ahead and shut off the podcast now and wait until Sunday and there'll be a fantastic sermon on Sunday uh, for All Saints Day. But I want to take a moment right now to share with you one of my favorite scary stories. One of my favorite spooky authors is H.P. Lovecraft, and I have wanted to share his stories during these Halloween podcasts for a while now, but I've hesitated for a couple of reasons. The first is the troubling nature of Lovecraft's character. So he was a man who was beset by fear and illness and abuse throughout his life, and those powers shaped the way that he saw the world. And so I don't want my sharing of his stories to suggest any sort of approval of his beliefs or the behaviors that he lived out. The second reason is that the type of horror that he describes in his works envisions a universe that is vast and hollow and purposeless and hostile and uncaring. We describe it as cosmic horror. It's the sort of fear that we might feel from staring too long into a dark place and imagining the unknowable and incomprehensible things that it hides. It's sort of like inverting sublime awe and wonder, like staring into the night sky or deep water and feeling your own powerlessness and insignificance. It's a unique perspective, but it's not one that it's healthy to spend too much time entertaining. I first read Lovecraft when I was in my 20s. I picked up a paperback collection of a few of his famous works on the budget shelf at the local bookstore, and I appreciated his language, and I genuinely enjoyed the ways that he over-describes everything in his stories. But when I read his story, Rats in the Walls, I was hooked. That story is too long for our episode this year. Instead, I wanted to share another story one that tells of ancient laws in forgotten lands, and the price of cruelty, even when it's hidden behind closed doors. The Cats of Ulthar by H.P. Lovecraft It is said that in Ulthar, which lies beyond the river sky, no man may kill a cat. And this I can verily believe as I gaze upon him who sitteth purring before the fire. For the cat is cryptic, and close to strange things which men cannot see. He is the soul of antique Egyptus, and the bearer of tales from forgotten cities in meroe and Orphir. He's the kin of the jungle lords, and heir to the secrets of hoary and sinister worlds. The Sphinx is his cousin, and he speaks her language. But he is more ancient than the Sphinx, and remembers that which she hath forgotten. In Ulthar, before ever the Burgesses forbade the killing of cats, there dwelt an old cotter and his wife, who delighted to trap and slay the cats of their neighbors. Why they did this I do not know, save that, Many hate the voice of the cat in the night, and take it ill that cats should run stealthily about yards and gardens in twilight. But whatever the reason, this old man and woman took pleasure in trapping and slaying every cat which came near their hovel. And from some of the sounds heard after dark, many villagers fancied the manner of the slaying was exceedingly peculiar." But the villagers did not discuss such things with the old man and his wife because of the habitual expression on the faces of the two, and because their cottage was so small and so darkly hidden under spreading oaks at the back of a neglected yard. In truth, much as the owners of the cats hated these odd folk, they feared them more, and instead of berating them as brutal assassins, merely took care that no cherished pet or mouser should stray toward the remote hovel under those dark trees. When through some unavoidable oversight a cat was missed, and sounds heard after dark, the loser would lament impotently, or console himself by thanking fate it was not one of his children who had thus vanished. For the people of Ulthar were simple, and knew not whence, It is that all cats first came. One day a caravan of strange wanderers from the south entered the narrow cobbled streets of Ulthar. Dark wanderers they were and unlike the other roving folk who passed through the village twice every year. In the marketplace they told fortunes for silver and bought gay beads from the merchants. What was the land of these wanderers? None could tell. But it was seen that they were given to strange prayers, and that they had painted on the sides of their wagons strange figures with human bodies and the heads of cats, hawks, rams, and lions. And the leader of the caravan wore a headdress with two horns and a curious disc fixed betwixt the the horns. There was, in this singular caravan, a little boy with no father or mother, and only a tiny black cat to cherish. The plague had not been kind to him, yet had left him with this small furry thing to mitigate his sorrow. And when one is very young, one can find great relief in the lively antics of a black kitten. So the boy, whom the dark people called Menise, smiled more often than he wept, as he sat playing with his graceful kitten on the steps of an oddly-painted wagon. On the third morning of the wanderer's stay in Othar, Meniz could not find his kitten, and as he sobbed aloud in the marketplace, certain villagers told him of the old man and his wife and of the sounds heard in the night, and when he heard these things, his sobbing gave place to meditation, and finally to prayer, he stretched out his arms toward the sun, and prayed in a tongue no villager could understand, though indeed the villagers did not try very hard to understand, since their attention was mostly taken up by the sky, and the odd shapes the clouds were assuming. It was very peculiar, but as the little boy uttered his petition, there seemed to form overhead the shadowy, nebulous figures of exotic things, of hybrid creatures crowned with horn-flanked discs. Nature is full of such illusions to impress the imaginative. That night the wanderers left Ulthar and were never seen again, and the householders were troubled when they noticed that in all the village there was not a cat to be found. From each hearth the familiar cat had vanished, cats large and small, black gray-striped yellow and white. Old Cranon, the burgomaster, swore that the dark folk had taken the cats away in revenge for the killing of Menezes' kitten, and they cursed the caravan and the little boy. But Nith, the lean notary, declared that the old cotter and his wife were more likely persons to suspect, for their hatred of cats was notorious and increasingly bold, Still, no one durst complain to the sinister couple, even when little Atal, the innkeeper's son, vowed that he had seen at twilight all the cats of Ulthar in that accursed yard under the trees, pacing very slowly and solemnly in a circle around the cottage, two abreast as if in performance of some unheard-of rites of beasts. The villagers did not know how much to believe from so small a boy, And though they feared that the evil pair had charmed the cats to their death, they preferred not to chide the old cotter till they met him outside his dark and repellent yard. So Ulthar went to sleep in vain anger. And when the people awakened at dawn, behold, every cat was back at his accustomed hearth. Large and small, black, gray, striped yellow and white, none was missing. Very sleek and fat did the cats appear, and sonorous with purring content. The citizens talked to one another of the affair, and marveled not a little. Old Crannon again insisted that it was the dark folk who had taken them, since the cats did not return alive from the cottage of the ancient man and his wife. But all agreed on one thing that the refusal of all the cats to eat their portion of meat or drink their saucers of milk was exceedingly curious. And for two whole days the sleek, lazy cats of Ulthar would touch no food, but only doze by the fire or in the sun. It was fully a week before the villagers noticed that no lights appeared at dusk in the windows of the cottage under the trees. Then the lean Nith remarked that no one had seen the old man or his wife since the night the cats were away. In another week, the burgomaster decided to overcome his fears and call at the strangely silent dwelling as a matter of duty, though in so doing he was careful to take with him Shang the blacksmith and Thull the cutter of stone as witnesses. And when they had broken down the frail door, they found only this. Two cleanly picked human skeletons on the earthen floor, and a number of singular beetles crawling in the shadowy corners. There was subsequently much talk among the burgesses of Althar. Zath, the coroner, disputed at length with Nith, the lean notary. And Crannan and Shang and Thole were overwhelmed with questions. Even little Atal, the innkeeper's son, was closely questioned and given sweetmeat as a reward. They talked of the old cotter and of his wife, of the caravan of dark wanderers, of small Maniz and his black kitten, of the prayer of Maniz and the sky during that prayer, of the doings of the cats on the night the caravan left, and on what was found later in the cottage under the dark trees in the repellent yard and in the end the burgesses passed that remarkable law which is told of by traders in hatheg and discussed by travellers and near namely that in ulthar no man may kill a cat The Cats by H.P. Lovecraft Babbles of blocks to the high heavens towering Flames of futility swirling below Poisonous fungi in brick and stone flowering Lanterns that shudder and deathlights that glow Black monstrous bridges across oily rivers Cobwebs of cables to nameless things spun catacomb deep, whose dank chaos delivers streams of live fetter that rots in the sun. Color and splendor, disease and decaying, shrieking and reening and crawling insane, rambles exotic to stranger gods praying, jumbles of odor that stifle the brain legions of cats from the alleys nocturnal howling and lean in the glare of the moon screaming the future with mouthings infernal yelling the garden of pluto's red room tall towers and pyramids ivied and crumbling bats that swoop low in the weed-cumbered streets Bleak Arkham bridges or rivers whose rumbling joins with no voice as the thick horde retreats. Belfries that buckle against the moon totter. Caverns whose mouths are by mosses effaced. And living to answer the wind and the water. Only the lean cats that howl in the wastes. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you.